folks, and welcome back to Chris White Africa here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network. It is Sunday, June 6, 2021, the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings in Normandy. Welcome back to the program, folks. It's a pleasure to have you join us once again. For those who were here for the earlier stream uh, celebrating D-Day, thank you so much for that as well. To the hate wankers who've left, <laughs> early B is the hate wanker slayer. I'll tell you, the trolls disappear in droves when we play early B song for the Democratic Alliance in South Africa. The number of people who tuned in just to cause havoc disappeared because they just can't take it. It hurts their ears. <laughs> Bye-bye, hate wankers. Go back to your closets and pull on your pud there. Folks, welcome back to Chris White Africa here on the 6th of June, 2021. Let's get to the Indaba African News of the Day, straight to the headlines, an abbreviated news program today. Many events taking place. I'll be live streaming for a third time later today. I have other things to take care of. So an abbreviated news program, let's get to the headlines from around the world, focus on Africa to start off with. South Africa's load shedding is going to hit stage four. With an average of 24.3% of installed capacity of just over 50 plus thousand megawatts of power, South Africa is averaging nearly one quarter of its power capacity offline. Stage four means that 4,000 megawatts of power will be shed from the grid. Celebrating United Airlines Joburg flight, lots of people in attendance for the arrival of United Airlines inaugural flight between Newark and Joburg, OR Tambo Airport. In Namibia, Vice President Nangolo Mbumba has said that Germany's offer of 1.1 billion euros or 1.3 billion dollars over 30 years is not enough. Zimbabwe's elephant cull is angering some who are upset about the fact that Zimbabwe plans to kill off elephants. Cattle thieves have killed 66 villagers in Nigeria. Nigeria's famous evangelist, T.B. Joshua, has died at the age of 57, a bit of a shock to many of the faithful who follow T.B. Joshua. The United States, Canada, the European Union, the United Kingdom, and Ireland all condemn Nigeria's Twitter ban while saying nothing about Twitter's Trump ban or the big tech censorship of honest voices. They have nothing to say about censorship when it affects private citizens, but when it affects one of their friends, the political elite's tech titans in the form of Jack Dorsey, suddenly the United States, Canada, the European Union, the UK, all take umbrage with Nigeria's actions. Well, folks, it's not enough to make people wear facial coverings. We're not satisfied with that. Now the leftists want our cows to wear masks as well. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This isn't fiction. It's not fantasy. Ladies and gentlemen, the leftists are trying to make cattle wear face masks. No, not because of the current pandemic, but because they belch methane. <laughs> this is not fake news. This is not necessarily news. This is a true story. We'll talk about that shortly. And congratulations to Sweden on Swedish National Day. The United States has set its roster for its summer test series to the United Kingdom, where they'll take on England and Ireland. Uh, and and pared down, Gary Gold has pared his squad down. We'll talk about that and the composition of that team. And the Springboks, uh, Jacques Niebnarber has announced his squad to take on Georgia and then after that the British and Irish Lions in South Africa this summer. Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, has stated that he will vote against the democracy-thieving House of Representatives Bill 1, H.R. 1, 
the For America Act, which is anything but For America. It seeks to unconstitutionally put the federal government into a role it has no authority to be in. Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, under considerable pressure from the leftist in his party trying to get him to undermine American democracy. Apparently, he's going to stand fast on this. More to follow. And former President Donald Trump was present in North Carolina, where he gave a speech kicking off the North Carolina Republican Convention there. Those are the headlines, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to in-depth news and analysis here on the 6th of June, 2021. But before I go any further, let me just remind folks, today is the 77th anniversary of the D-Day landings, in which over 150,000 Allied troops landed on the beaches of Normandy. Contrary to what Hitler and his general staff expected, they did not land at the Pas de Calais, the closest crossing from Dover over to France, but instead landed in Normandy, a much more dangerous, treacherous stretch, and it put them at a disadvantage, the Germans, because they were not prepared for landing as well as they should have been at the beaches of Omaha, Juneau, Gold, Sword, and Utah. But 150,000 plus Allied troops landed that day with over 9,000 casualties on the first day on the Allied side. 23,000 paratroopers landed in France that day to create chaos and to, to secure lines of communication. In addition, over 6,000 ships carried and ferried these troops over the seas. Thousands of aircraft involved in this operation, 11,000. And the Normandy landings is what turned the tide. While the Soviets fought the Germans tooth and nail in a brutal struggle in the east, in which the Germans continually gave up ground but were con compressing and bringing back their forces to hold off the Soviets in the East, they suddenly found themselves in a major conflict in the West, and this brought pressure, something that Uncle Joe Stalin wanted for a long time. But on this day, we remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice and those who participated. Yesterday's events in France, only one American, only one veteran of the D-Day landings was there. Master Sergeant Shaw, a Native American who now resides in France, was at the ceremony, 96 years of age, 19 at the time of the Normandy landings when he participated as a medic with the Big Red One Infantry Division there in Normandy. Thank you for your service, Master Sergeant Shea, and for your sacrifice for our great nation, proving once again the liars and the disrespecters who talk about America's narrative and falsely portray what this country is about and who participates in it. A Native American veteran of the D-Day landings. Master Sergeant Shaw, the big red one. Folks, let's go on with the analysis now. All right, so first off, we've got to talk about this situation here with load shedding. Well, South Africa's ESCOM, the state-owned parastatal that delivers electricity, or, or should I say doesn't deliver electricity to South Africa, is preparing for stage four load shedding, in which it dumps 4,000 megawatts of installed capacity off the network because it simply can't provide the power because it's run by corrupt, inept, venal idiots. Power Utility ESCOM is struggling to keep up with the maintenance of its ailing power stations. And with winter here, meddling from politicians, South Africa is on course for more outages than ever before. Energy expert Chris Yellen told the city press that ESCOM's plan to decommission six units at coal-fired plants in the coming months could potentially push load shedding to stage four or five. Why are they decommissioning coal-fired power plants? This is because of their, their sycophantic, lapdog, boot-licking fantasy of licking up to European leftists about climate change. South Africa shouldn't be worried about climate change. South Africa should be worried about getting electricity to its people. Once you've got installed capacity and people can live a normal life, then you can consider coming up with alternative energy, not leaving people to suffer, freeze in the wintertime, have no lights in schools for children because of your idiotic leftist nonsense. The Chinese aren't adhering to this. The Chinese are going full bore, building over 400 coal-fired power stations each and every year in China. That's why China's the world's leading pollution polluter. 
because they produce so much coal-fired power plants each and every year. No one is complaining about China producing 350 to 400 coal-fired power plants. No one's even talking about it. That Paris climate scam, no mention of this whatsoever. South Africa needs to install power and then worry about alternative sources. You've got plenty of coal to deliver to South Africans. Make it happen. Country's power stations have already experienced more unplanned downtime in 2021, averaging 24.3% of fleet offline versus 21% in 2020. Key issue behind the power failures is maintenance, with ESCOM unable to keep up with repairs of unplanned breakdowns while also conducting planned maintenance. Unplanned breakdowns. Well, all breakdowns are unplanned. Do you, do you expect? Okay, uh, I've not maintained my car because I think next Wednesday I'm going to expect my transmission to fail. Unplanned breakdowns? All breakdowns are unplanned. That's an oxymoron. Well, that's not the reason. Maintenance isn't the problem. The problem is it's a corrupt enterprise run by ANC slime balls. And they use it as a place to play, place their friends and family and all their buddies on the board, corrupting the system, stealing from the system, not maintaining it, and then using racism to drive qualified engineers out of South Africa and not employ them and replace them with unqualified engineers or simply not replace them. This is why ESCOM is a disaster. The fact that it's state-owned is the reason it's a disaster. Very few state-owned enterprises are effective. One of the few examples is Ethiopian Airlines, which is run as a separate entity, not by the government of Ethiopia. The only reason that it has a chance for success. ESCOM is not failing because of unplanned breakdowns. That's nonsense. Well, United Airlines, the friendly skies, fly the friendly skies, they have commence their operations from Newark, EWR, to OR Tambo, JMB Airport, with their nonstop direct flight. And a lot of people are pretty excited about it, including another, one gentleman. I'm going to show you the jig he does <laughs> at the celebration for the arrival of United Airlines. This is from Zach Honig, who took the trip a couple days ago. He talks about it. He says, while it wasn't quite ready to book when the flight was first announced back in 2020, I added to my list of the four flights I can't wait to book this year after he got vaccinated. There you go. So EWR, that's Newark to Johannesburg. That flew on Thursday, the 3rd of June at 8.45 p.m. to Joburg, arriving at 5.45 p.m. on the 4th of June. There you go. And he's coming back. Oh, he didn't write the date. He doesn't want people to know when he's coming back. Smart move. Well done. <laughs> you don't want people to know that. Uh, there's the prices. Uh, he used his miles, I guess, to do this. But um, yeah, so let's, uh, he's, he's, he's taking all these precautions. He's all paranoid. He's got both doses of Moderna's vaccine in him, but he's going to wear his N95 mask and he wants to go to Kruger National Park. And he's just got all these at-home test kits that Abbott Laboratories kindly provided. Do South African authorities accept those test kits? Well, that's a good question. He's got a medical kit that cost him $400. <laughs> Expect to be bitten by lions. <laughs> I'm not making fun of Zach, but this is a little bit funny. So the inaugural flight, there you go. Gate C-121. Oh, he's talking about Biltong there. They had Biltong in Newark. That's interesting. There you go. They had Biltong. He said the highlight for him was definitely the dancers, some of whom he recognized from the 2019 inaugural flight. I don't recognize any of those people. He must know them. So check out this dude. He's really excited about this. This is the guy dancing. You ready? <laughs> He's kind of excited about it. That was a pretty short clip there, man. <laughs> uh, but there you have it there. 
and they cut the ribbon on this flight. On board the flight, there you go. It's a 787 Dreamliner 9 Polaris. There you go. Beautiful aircraft. Oh, wow. That's not the place I get to sit. <laughs> Those are the comfort seats. Ooh, the even better comfort seats. I guess he's got a lot of money to be sitting in a place like this. Look at all the kit they put together for the inaugural flight. Wow. Is that Zach Honig right there? He got two pajama tops. Good for you, Zach. <laughs> and they gave out T-shirts. Wow. That does not look re even remotely appetizing. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. That is not appetizing. They gave him a giant water bottle. Must be nice to be rich there, Zach. I wish I could fly like this instead of crammed in the back. Oh, he flew over Itosha. That does, that's, is that Itosha? Thanks for sharing that, Zach. Pretty cool. Look, that's a little bit better, tastier meal there as they approach South Africa. Coming in there, flying over Botswana, it looks like at that stage. Look at that. That's economy plus. That's plus. Look at the leg room between the first and second row. There is none. And imagine when these jackasses lower their headrests back and collapse on top of you. He says, the bottom line with South African Airways no longer flying the U.S. and Delta's triangular route delayed, United now offers the one and only nonstop connection between the U.S. and South Africa. United is well positioned in the convenience front row alone. Well, look at these rich people traveling in comfort. I'll tell you what. Now, Zach is uh, editor-at-large for the points guy with contributions, range markers, digging deep, and loyalty programs, credit cards, delivering flight coverage to drone photography. Yeah, Zach does some great coverage. Thank you for your coverage there, Zach. I wish I was rich like you. Namibia's vice president has said, not enough. He is not happy with the reparations that Germany is paying. And for my part, I'll offer my two cents. Um, it's too much. There should be nothing. This is ludicrous. Uh, are, the, are the Herero going to compensate the 343 Germans who were murdered when they started this conflict? Are they going to compensate people for that? No, and they shouldn't. They're not responsible for it. The Herero today are not the Herero of 1904 to 1908 and neither are the people carrying a German passport. They weren't alive. That was four countries ago. Enough of this idiocy. But then you've never heard of Vice President Nangolo Mumba before today, did you? First time you've heard about it. The Germany-Namibia Genocide Accord is on track to be ratified by the Namibian parliament. But Namibian Vice President Nangolo Mumba is not happy with the amount of money pledged by Berlin. I'm not happy with Berlin pledging anything. It's idiotic. German infrastructure plan for Namibia worth $1.4 billion U.S. was not adequate compensation for the early 20th century colonial era genocide, the Southern African country's vice president said on Friday. We need to recognize the amount of $1.1 billion agreed upon between the two governments is not enough and does not adequately address the in initial quantum of reparations initially submitted to the German government. No amount of money in any currency can truly compensate for the life of a human being. Well, that's true. That's absolutely true. But it's also not germane. It's not germane. This is not about reparations. If it were about reparations, then the Herero and the Nama people would have been involved in the conversations, as well as the descendants of the butchered and slaughtered Germans. They would have been involved too. But none of those parties were involved in this negotiation. This is blackmail, pure and simple, shaking down a wealthy country to give money to a corrupt government so it can steal it and misuse it again. Need we point out the various scandals plaguing Namibia's government, SWAPO, its incredibly unpopular president, King Gap? This is not about reparations. This is a convenient excuse. 
And there's no such thing as reparations. If these, if the people affected by this were still alive, then we could have a conversation about reparations to repair the damage done to the parties aggrieved and affected. But this is ludicrous. So I agree with you. It's not enough. There's no amount that can pay. So stop it. It's sheer lunacy, utter lunacy. Zimbabwe is coming under fire for its plans to cull elephants, but Zimbabwe says that its elephant population is simply too large. Where does the truth lie? Perhaps somewhere in between. Authorities consider mass killing of mammoth animals to reduce growing numbers, but conservationists warn of the risk. Authorities estimate over 100,000 elephants live within Zimbabwe's boundaries at this point. But their capacity is 45,000. Now that number's up from 84,000 just seven years ago. Elephants are doing well. Surplus has prompted the government in recent weeks to mull the mass killing of elephants, something the country last did in 1988, as a population control option in order to protect other wildlife and the country's vegetation. We're overpopulated when it comes to elephants in this country, spokesman for the Zimbabwe Parks and Wildlife Authority told Al Jazeera. We have vultures that breed in trees. The vultures no longer breeding in Hwangi National Park. They moved to other places because the elephants have the habit of knocking down trees. Indeed, they do. <clears throat> they knock down too many trees. So they're considering this and they're coming under fire for it by conservationists. Who would rather see an unhealthy herd, apparently? Well, that's a matter of debate. Unfortunately, in Nigeria, 66 villagers have been murdered. Cattle thieves killed 66 in Nigeria. Police still searching for more bodies after gunmen on motorcycles attacked seven villages. A gang of cattle thieves have killed 66 people in raids on seven villages in northwest Nigeria's Kebi State. Dozens of assailants and motorcycles attacked seven neighboring villages in Danko Wasagao district on Thursday. Investigation is still going on to ascertain the extent of destruction route by the bandits and search for more bodies is still on. This comes in the wake of over 100 villagers being massacred in neighboring Burkina Faso. This is really out of control. The Sahel is on fire, folks, and the world is busy worrying about putting face coverings on people who are vaccinated. That's what the world's attention is focused on. In Nigeria, also, famous evangelist T.B. Joshua has passed away at the age of 57. Reviled, loved, depending on what your view was, but very famous indeed. T.B. Joshua has passed away at the age of 57. One of Africa's most influential evangelists, the top politicians among his followers. Nigerian preacher T.B. Joshua, one of Africa's most influential evangelists, has died at the age of 57. A post on his Facebook page, which has more than 5 million followers, said, God has taken his servant. He was said to have died on Saturday shortly after conducting a live broadcast, but the cause of his death has not been made public. Tens of thousands will attend his services with top politicians from across Africa among his followers. But his teachings and practices were also controversial. Of course, YouTube suspended him for hate speech after a rights body filed a complaint over videos showing the preacher conducting prayers to cure gay people. How is that hate speech? Facebook also removed at least one post showing a woman being slapped when he was smacking the demonic, demonic spirit out of her. Tributes have been pouring in on social media for the preacher, widely referred to as Prophet T.B. Joshua by his followers. The passing of my brother T.B. Joshua saddens me deeply at 3 a.m. this morning. I was told by one of his daughters that this was fake news and I tweet as much. Sadly, I was misled. Five minutes ago, the same person called me and confirmed the story. Well, why does she lie to you? Why do people do these sorts of things? Why do they do it? Once again, for Nigeria, ladies and gentlemen, the United States, Canada, the European Union, and the United Kingdom have all ganged up with Ireland to condemn Nigeria's Twitter ban. The condemnation came a day after the country's government threatened to arrest and prosecute any resident found using the app, which has been extremely popular in Nigeria. That would be Twitter. The action's retaliation because they suspended President Buhari's account. 
We strongly support fundamental human right of free expression. Access to information is a pillar of democracy in Nigeria is around the world, and these rights apply online as well as offline, diplomatic missions said. Banning systems of expression is not the answer. These measures inhibit access to information and commerce at precisely the moment when Nigeria needs to foster inclusive dialogue and expressions, expression of opinions as well as share vital information in this time of the pandemic. Well, this I ask United States, United Kingdom, European Union, Ireland, Canada, I ask you this. Silencing voices over false accusations. Why don't you talk to Twitter, Facebook, and PooTube right now? Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you ask them why my new account says 863 subscribers, but my actual account dashboard says 817 after reaching 863, instantly back to 817. What's the truth? Why the suppression? What are they afraid of? Why don't you stand up for your own citizens who are persecuted by these tech titans? Where are you at? United States, United Kingdom, European Union, Canada, Ireland. You're not there because you're elites and you don't care about free speech and free expression. You care about protecting your friends who have deep pockets to line your pockets. You're a disgrace. You are corrupt and you are inept and you shall be exposed one way or another. Your dishonesty is off the charts. Well, folks, the left is not satisfied about making the rest of us run around wearing all kinds of things on our face. You know, these things right here that you can't breathe through. Look how thick that is. This is not a proper one. This is one of those aftermarket commercial things. So the world's not happy with forcing us to walk around like this, damaging our bodies and wearing these things. No, no. Now we must also make cattle wear them. That's right. The leftists want cattle to wear face coverings. They want cattle to wear masks. I'm not making this up, ladies and gentlemen. I honestly tell you, this is a true story. Even cows are wearing masks. But methane is the offender. Cargill, a massive uh, agricultural company, will start selling methane-absorbing wearable devices for cows, an experiment that could help the industry cut greenhouse gas emissions. I'm not making this up. Agricultural giant Cargill will start selling methane-absorbing wearable devices for cows, putting its support behind experimental technology that could help the industry cut greenhouse emissions. <laughs> the mask-like accessory was developed by UK startup Zelp, which claims it can reduce methane emissions by more than half. Cargo said on Tuesday it expects to start offering the devices to European dairy farmers in 2022. It will cost, it's an annual, you have to subscribe to the mask. You can't even buy the damn mask. It's a subscription fee of $80 per cow. You see how the left, how the left takes their religion of climate change and makes a fortune off of it. $80 per cow for a subscription. You don't even get the mask. That's like Microsoft and their scam. That's right. You know, you can't buy software. Now you simply licensed Microsoft software. You must pay them an annual subscription fee to keep feeding their piss poor software each and every year. You can't simply buy it and use it. <laughs> what a scam. What a scam. <laughs> Tackling methane emissions from livestock is one of the most critical and most difficult climate issues for meat and dairy companies that are under increasing pressure to clean up their supply chains. Having access to Cargill's vast consumer network could help Zelp secure demand as it prepares to roll out the product that's still under development. Also, it's not even ready for prime time. Wow, they want cattle to wear masks, folks. Unbelievable. Congratulations to Sweden and Stockholm on your national day, the 6th of June. On behalf of the government of the United States, the Secretary of State Blinken congratulates the people of Sweden as they celebrate their national day. Wonderful. Wonderful. We said Denmark yesterday. Now it's Sweden today. Of course, the two of them once were the same country. The United States men's 15 rugby team under Gary Gold is set for their tour of the British Isles July 4th and July 11th coming up this 
well, just a month away now. And we've said, let's take a look at the selections for this. He picked a 40-man squad, trimmed it down to 30 for the trip, and this is who's going. So here you go. Let's take a look at some of the players here. David Ainu, uh, Marcel Branche, Nate Brakeley, Luke Cardi. Uh, Luke Cardi's an uncapped fly half from the Giltinis. That's good for him. We've got a few more uncapped players, including Ryan Reese from Rugby Atlanta, Mike Dabulis uh, from DCO Glory. We've got Andrew Guerra. number of uncapped players making this trip. Reichert Hattinger, uh, Ryan James, Mika Cruz, and then we Connor Mooneyham also on there, all uncapped. It looks like the player with the greatest number of caps in here is just barely over 30. Bryce Campbell has 32. I'm sorry, Cam Dolan. Cam Dolan, the old stalwart of the Eagles at 51, is the graybeard. 51 caps. Next after that's 32. So not a particularly well-experienced team on here. Got a number of players, at least 20. Nate Brakely, of course. So we'll see how this goes for the USA in London on the 4th of July when they take on England, and then they take on Ireland on the 10th, not the 11th, the 10th at Aviva Stadium in Dublin. Wow, that sounds like a road trip. Unfortunately, we probably can't buy tickets for this. But that's what's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. The USA 15s do their summer test series. Now, don't delude yourself into thinking for a moment that we have much of a prayer against England or Ireland. But playing against top flight competition like this is awesome for the U.S. And maybe they'll do better than we, we could expect. These players have all, for the most part, been playing in Major League Rugby. They're now 12 weeks into a season, and they have worked for and against each other in these competitions, and they've got lots of practice. So they may be far fitter, far more prepared to play than previous teams that have gone on to, the, um, to play competition abroad. Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia says he will not vote for the democracy eviscerating House Resolution 1, H.R. 1, known as the... For the People Act, which is anything but for the people. It's for the Elites Act. That's what it really is. Joe Manchin, Democratic Senator on Sunday, defended the decision to vote against the sweeping voting rights bill and reiterated his opposition to gutting the filibuster, declaring in the strongest terms yet that he's not willing to change Senate rules to help his party push through much of President Joe Chi or Joe Chi Biden's uh, agenda. I believe that partisan voting legislation will destroy the already weakened binds of our democracy, and for that reason, I will vote against the For the People Act. Furthermore, I will not vote to weaken or eliminate the filibuster mansion, a moderate Democrat from West Virginia wrote in an op-ed published in the Charleston Gazette. Senator asserted that the fundamental right to vote has itself become overly politicized and taking aim at members of his party. He said some Democrats attempt to demonize the filibuster and conveniently ignore how it has been critical to protecting the rights of Democrats in the past. The moderate Democrat has in the past argued that Democrats who want to abolish the filibuster should be careful for what they wish for, noting how then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid's move in 2013 to remove the 60-vote filibuster standard for presidential nominees other than those on the Supreme Court. Um, a change eventually allowed Republicans to install conservative majority in the high court. And there you have it. Because he doesn't support getting rid of the filibuster, Manchin urged Senate leadership to update and pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act Advance, Advancement Act narrow elections bill that has the support of Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, the fake pretend Republican. The proposal is far less sweeping than, than this bill, but brings back major pieces of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, including a provision that requires states to consult the federal government before making major changes to their voting rules. Uh, I don't think I support that either. And naming it after John Lewis is a crass effort to simply mislead people. Ladies and gentlemen, speaking in North Carolina, the former president of the United States, Donald John Trump, spoke in North Carolina to a raucous crowd yesterday. Trump returns the political stage with a speech at North Carolina GOP convention. Former President Donald Trump returned the political stage with a speech at the North Carolina Republican Convention on Saturday, solidifying his continued symbolic leadership of the party, despite his repeated 
oh, well, okay, this is a lie by CBS News, and allowing him to exert influence. Um, Trump's second public speech comes after a tumultuous three months for his party. Well, one would have to disagree with the tumultuous three months. Uh, the Republican Party is, is rooting out the people who are not conservatives, who are not Republicans, who are playing games. That's what's happening. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'll talk about the Springbok selections here shortly. We'll play a little video on that. Those are the headlines from today, the 6th of June, the anniversary of D-Day, 77 years ago on the 6th of June, 1944. Thank you for your time, your support, and your patronage, and we appreciate your support here on Chris White Africa. All right, folks, get ready to light them if you got them. <laughs> early B chased the hate wankers away. I watched the numbers of people watching drop like a rock when I started playing early B. It's so funny. I love it. And if you just hate the DA and you left, that's that's on you. <laughs> Courtney McBride came in from Utah. Hey, Courtney, um, is Utah playing today? I think they're playing today, aren't they? Who are they playing today? Anyway, let's see. Roy is here. A little rebellion now and then. Okay. Vutsarko, good to see you there. Welcome. 44 currently watching, 41 likes. <laughs> Took a big dip there, folks. Let me go back and look at it. 1210, we had 32 people. And then by 1216, we had 25. So seven hate wankers disappeared. I used my hate wankers slaying uh, song. That is, of course, early B. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we got uh, Peter Bauman there. Hendo's back. Marilyn Brokenshaw. Jansen van Rensburg. Teresa Bauman. Ron is in from Bloemfontein. John Jarvis is back. Levin Jansen van Rensburg. Mr. Punisher. Cow mask. That's right, folks. I'm not making it up. They want cows to wear masks. <laughs> so what are you going to do with all the captured methane? Will we use it to burn? To cook with? Goodness, hey Roy, <laughs> Hemant von Staden, welcome Hemant. Uh, the only winner of the Second Great War was the Soviet Union. I disagree with that. The Soviet Union wasn't the only winner. The United States was a big winner. We became the world's preeminent power as a consequence of Europe being destroyed and of our own economic might. Look at that, thirty-two people. Are you guys reloading or what's going on? Refresh. Anyway, <laughs> well, let's talk about the Springbok selection, folks. I want to talk about that. That's uh, something on my mind too. So here we go. Let's do this. This is uh, from Supersport. So with Supersports, I'm going to pause this and comment on it as we go along. But let's go ahead and talk about this. These are the Springbok selections. Here we go. Well, there you have it. The squad that will take on the British and Irish Lions when they hit South African shores in July. The first test on the 24th of July. There you go. Uh, now, I assume it's the same squad to be taking on Georgia, but there's no mention of that by Supersport. Lutiaga. We've got uh, we've got uh, Peter Steph Dutoy, we've got Eben Etzebeth on there, Rhino Elstad, Stephen Kitsoff, a couple of, as an uncapped guy, David Dueba is on there. I'm not familiar with him, but he's uncapped. So some familiar faces there, Etzebeth, Lute Diager, awesome locks, uh, Stephen Kitsoff, awesome on the pitch. Those are good selections. Starting off with the likes of Lourdes Diacha, the Dupria uh, brothers also in Dan as well as Jean-Luc, the stalwart Peter Steph de Toy, uh, the usual names, but one uncapped player on this particular slide, uh, that being Joseph Dweba. Congratulations to him. We'll be seeing him in the green and gold very soon, including Nicolas Janssen from Rendsburg of Montpellier. So this just some of the forwards that have made it. This includes the likes of... All right. <clears throat> so here we got here. We got... Uh... Monge Mbonani, we've got uh, Franz Malheba, Sio Kalisi, Malcolm Marx, got uh, Mostart. 
Uh, Scar and Tabene. I'm so happy to see him get make the squad again. He has just that single cap there in Trevor and, uh, and Kanye. Yeah, Kuni Oztaisen is back once again, too. There's some good selections here. Mostart was a beast in the Rugby World Cup. And uh, Franz Malherbe, good, good selections here again. Vincent Koch, the captain, Siam Chandak, Oli Isi, Skaran Tubeni also back uh, in the charge as well. Tr the likes of Trevanya Gani, Gwini Oestazen, Marvin Ori, also one of the uncapped players that has now made it into the squad. I beg your pardon, already three caps for South Africa. <laughs> she screwed up there. Marvin Ori has three caps. Yep. Snayman, yeah, another beast. Dwayne Vermeulen, awesome. And got another uncapped there. Huh, look at that. Quagga Smith. Quagga Smith is back on it. The seven star is making his move in 15. Still there. Africa, another uncapped player, that being uh, Jasper Visa. And then as far as the backs are concerned, the likes of Damien Dialendi, Faf de Clark, and... Lucanio Arm, Damien Dialendi, Faf de Clark, yeah. Elton Yankees and the guys I'm excited about. Herschel Yankees, Cheslin Colby. Jesse Creel, Vili LaRue, and Mapipi. There you go. That's what I'm excited about right there. A lot of great names in there. A lot of great. A lot of caps uh, for some of these guys. Vili LaRue at 61. Yep. Looking forward to this. Hopefully, Vili will have good hands this year. Not like the World Cup when he was dropping passes. One of my favorite players for a long time. My favorite player for a long time. Vili LaRue back when he was with the Cheetahs. Um, but he had hands of butter, it seemed, in the World Cup. Although he made some great plays. The new face in the Apelele Farsi, uncapped from the South Sea Sharks. He makes it into the national side. We saw Magazole Mapimpi this afternoon in action for the Sharks. Has not lost his touch. Very important for South Africa, of course. And the rest of the backline, seeing the likes of Yao Pe So back here, we got Henri Pollard, Kobus Reinach. Roscoe Speckman is uncapped. He's a sevens player as well. Look at that. Francois Sten is back. Mornay Sten, I'm very, very happy about Mornay Sten being back in the green and gold. He belongs there. He would be the all-time point-scoring record holder for the Springboks were it not for the fact that he was excluded from the squads when he never should have been. Good to see Mornay Sten back. Hopefully he'll get some playing time and make some kicks. And then Damien Willemse is back. Another awesome, great player, of course, with uh, Western Province. But Henri Pollard, good to see him back again. Absolutely. So those 48 caps that Pollard has, uh, a lot of those caps should have been Mornay Stems caps. But uh, to be fair, Pollard, I don't have a problem with it. Was It's a few other players that came on that really don't kick very well. So there you go. Yeah, Dwayne Vermeulen um, twisted his ankle in the game this weekend, apparently. Um, so I didn't hear that he's going to miss it, but apparently he is. Sanele Nohamba, Wandisile Similani, Roscoe Speckman also in the mix. So this is your team, South Africa. I'm pretty happy with the squad. Uh, there's a few selections could have been a little bit different. Uh, great to see Mornay stand back where he belongs. Great to see Damien Dealende, uh, Roscoe Speckman. Very excited about that selection, Quagga Smith. I'm a huge Blitzbach fan, so anytime I see guys make it up. Ruan Nell did not make the squad. Uh, I was a little, that's one selection I would like to have seen, but um, I get, um, you only get so many slots. There you have it, folks. That is the selections for the Springboks.